You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Winner of the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Independent Film and Video Award and the Independent Spirit Someone to Watch Award, In Between Days follows a Korean immigrant as she falls in love with her best friend while navigating her way through the challenges of living in a new country. With us today are So Young Kim, the film's director and screenwriter, and Bradley Rust Gray, its producer and co-writer. So Young Kim, Bradley Rust Gray, welcome to Film School. Hi. You filmed In Between Days in Toronto, but it could be anywhere, couldn't it? Right. It could be any place in North America, you know, Chicago, New York, or L.A., um, but because of the, you know, the winter landscape and stuff, it, it seems much more like northern part of the North America. <laughs> uh-huh. now, now, so you moved to uh, Los Angeles directly from Korea. Am I right about that? Right, when uh, I was 12 years old. Yeah, how how much of this is autobiographical? Uh, you know? Well, you know, the actual events and scenes, particular scenes are not, you know, true to the events in my life, but... Mm-hmm. What I wanted to really capture was the feelings that I had when I was growing up in L.A. Yes. So I think that part I wanted to keep intact and wow. communicate that somehow through the story. The film has a sort of a very alienated feel to it. I mean, Strangers in a Strange Land, both, both the main characters, Amy and Tran, both have this difficulty communicating. I know it's a function of their youth, but they do seem to not be able to really get in sync. How much of that is is related to the environment. Part of that has to do with Amy's personality. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Brad could add to this because he's a co-writer on the film. Right. I think when you're a teenager and when you fall in love, and that feeling is also so alien, you know, and add that to Amy's environment where she feels like she can't, you know, she can't speak the language and everything is new. And then also her mother is from the old country and she holds certain traditional values that Amy cannot relate to anymore. That whole thing is the context of her life and her first time falling in love is also alien to her. That was the thing that was really what drew me into the story when So had written it and the things that I think that we were really interested in in, in the film. It wasn't so much, I think, like a film about an immigration experience. It was more about this girl that's trying to tell her best friend that she's in love with him but has a hard time saying it. The lack of communication is more, at least for me, out of that, out of that, like, how do I tell him? You know, what if he says no? Right. That type of feeling of, of like, you're so scared to lose your only friend. Then these these performances are they're all non-actors. Yeah, they're yeah. all non-actors. Oh, that's that's fascinating. And you initially so had written this, or, or had both of you written it with with a goth character in mind? That's um, so. That's so's childhood. Okay. Yeah, when I was growing up in LA, I was a little bit into you know the Cure and the goth and, uh-huh. and that side of the culture, and I wanted that to be part of, you know, the story in the beginning because the kids, the characters were actually much more Americanized, Mm -hmm. Koreans. Mm -hmm. But then what happened was um, when we were casting for Amy, we couldn't find the actor out in L.A., so we looked in New York, and when we found Ji-sun, who plays Amy, Uh 
she lives in New Jersey, in Koreatown, and she worked in this bakery cafe, and I was putting flyers up in cafes all around Koreatown in Manhattan and also in New Jersey, you know, Bronx and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, she was working there, and I, I saw her, I immediately thought, she's Amy, you know, she has to play Amy. Mm-hmm. And after I met her, I realized she's a recent immigrant, mm-hmm. so she didn't speak English very well. So I had to modify the story and the character so it would fit Jisun Kim. Now, so. when you say uh, modify the script, does the character of Amy talk more in the first script? And do you, did you pare it down? Or is no, it... I don't think she talked more. Uh-huh. You know, Tran probably talked a lot more. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating I... because the, the film itself, it's very sparse. Yes. And, and, it, and it's beautiful that way. You have to fall into this. It's not hitting you over the head at all. It's an experience that you acclimate to, just like, I guess, the, the weather in Toronto. Thank you. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about how you met Taigu. Taigu? Taigu, we found him in Toronto, mm-hmm. and we were looking for... Well, you know, we found Jisun Kim in New Jersey, and then we decided in between looking for Jisun to play Amy and until... um right after we found her, that we were going to shoot in Toronto because a friend of ours recommended Toronto because there's so many Koreans living there. It's the second largest community next to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So we drove up there from New York, and we found the... I found... I mean, Brad and I both agreed that the locations were amazing, yeah. and so we decided maybe we should look for Tran in Toronto. So we started going to nightclubs and cafes where kids hang out, and actually one night we went to this dance club and we saw Tegu with you know his friends in a corner, and I went up to him and I said, hey, I'm interested in talking with you about this film, and he said, sure, and he gave me his number and he was very friendly, and I said, okay, great, you know. And then uh, next morning, I called him, and he, he didn't remember at all. <laughs> he didn't remember meeting us. Wow. <laughs> and then, um, what so kind I, of club was this exactly? <laughs> it was, was it a milk bar? Just, it was just, like a sorry? club, I'm, you know. Yeah, it was a nightclub, like a yeah. dance club. I was just wondering if maybe he lost time. lost consciousness over the the course <laughs> right? of the evening. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we met him at like one thirty or uh, two. Or something. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, like two in the morning or something. So we met him next afternoon, and he said that he he only said yes because he was drunk, and and then <laughs> um, and then we were talking with him, and he's like, okay, I'm interested, you know, so let me know when you are going to shoot. And then after we shot the film, he told me that he said yes, thinking that we were making a porno. (laughs) Really? He said yes anyway because he wanted to be in a film. So (laughs) I thought that was really funny. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So there you go. He he had a completely different take on what you guys are going to be doing. we're We're speaking with the filmmakers of... In between days, So Young Kim and Bradley Russ Gray. And we alluded to it earlier. There are some beautiful shots of Toronto. They really give it kind of an otherworldly feel. So, anything special you did uh, yeah. cinematography-wise? Did you shoot it a particular way? Did you uh, yeah. intentionally shoot through a lot of windows to get kind of a glazed effect? Um, I, mean, I think that was definitely a team effort. You know, Sarah Levy did an amazing job with uh-huh. um, the cinematography, and then Brad helped out a lot. Uh, because, you know, we were looking for locations that were free and we could afford. Uh-huh. So we did a lot of driving around the town looking for, you know, public spaces that we could have access to yeah. and how to make them interesting and uh, relevant to the story. So it was the three of us trying to figure out how to compose some of that and find access to 
different locations that are interesting. I think one of the things that we kept trying to do was to make the location less specific, so avoid specific areas that would say it's Toronto or this is mm-hmm. Chicago or, you know, that landmarks. So it would feel a little bit more, I don't know, accessible and uh, universal. You yeah, certainly did achieve that. At the end, I was very curious where it was and yeah, uh, surprised yeah. to hear that it was in Toronto and that, that they do have a, such a huge Korean population there. Now, Brad, when, when you were driving around for these uh, different locations, did, did you have any problems at all uh, securing them? Did you have any places that you wanted to shoot and, and uh, couldn't? No, we kind of worked backwards. Like, whatever we could get, we adapted film to kind of set those locations. Uh-huh. We didn't have any money. Our sound guy gave us the main apartment that we were using. Uh, he was just amazing, and his his grandmother was living there, and she uh, lived with her, his, you know, her daughter during that time, his mom, mm-hmm. and uh, we paid for her rent, and then we painted that apartment, and that was where we all uh, lived, mm-hmm. and and we slept there, and then So would wake Jisun up in her room, which was, Jisun would be sleeping in Amy's room, and so <laughs> her and Sarah would creep up there in the morning and, like, wake her up, so, like, mm-hmm. a lot of that footage, and, like, and then... <laughs> We'd also make them do the dishes and take the garbage out and do the laundry. And so those are all sort of like, you know, part of this film. You know, we all, we'll make this into a scene, but um, it all, <laughs> uh, this... I, you know, it helps create the life of the story, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right? it, well, again, it goes very much in keeping the, the, the performance are so unaffected. They just seem so natural. It really almost feels like a documentary at times when you're watching these kids as they go through their daily lives, particularly when they're just sitting together talking. It just seems very natural. I think that's like some... I think so when I talk about trying to do that, you know, sometimes if you think about, like, making a narrative film, it could be really, like, overwhelming to think, how am I going to do this? But if you think, like, well, I'm going to make a documentary, but... Which is also hard because you want things to happen in a documentary that you don't have control of. But if uh-huh. you're making a documentary and you can tell people what to say, then, <laughs> yeah. then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that's easy yeah, because right. you're just kind of cheating. I think So did such an amazing job of getting those performance out of the oh, kids. Just, really? I honestly felt like I was eavesdropping at times yeah. uh, on their conversations. I want to ask you so a little, couple of technical questions, but this film sure. done done for under 100000 Yes, way under <laughs> Way under 100000 Where can people see the film? Um, I think... Brad could answer that. I think we're working on a limited theatrical distribution at the moment, mm-hmm. and cable TV deal with Sundance, Sundance. channel. Yeah, Brad? those are in the works. Brad, any theatrical any announcements you want to make on that? Or no, we can't announce anything right now. But okay. we're thankfully talking to somebody about that right now, and um, it, it, I think the uh, Sundance thing is closing. So fantastic. Well, good good luck on that. Do you have any uh, productions going on right now, and have things changed for you yeah. uh, since this film has uh, got some recognition? Well, I'm helping Brad produce his next feature. He's also a director, and it's called Jack and Diane, which we will shoot in New York City this summer. Uh-huh. And uh, my next film, which is Treeless Mountain, uh, we're going to shoot in Korea, actually, and that Very will good. be this fall. <laughs> Well, it does appear from the material that I read that you really are moving up the the the, the ladder here. With you've got Scott Rudin involved with this, Jack and Diane, which is a, a major producer. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's executive producing it. It's uh, our producers, uh, Jay Jay Van Hoyen, Lars Knudsen brought him on. And yeah. our first films we made just sort of like trying to make them how how we could. Yeah. You, you know, you you think, well, do I want to make a film or do I want to wait and get the money, and then. So we did that with the first films, and then the second films were doing the sort of waiting game. But right. I well, think each each particular film has its own sort of course, and you need to follow that. P. 
people yes. can learn more about you at soandbrad.com. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. We're speaking once again with Bradley Russ Gray and So Young Kim. The, the film is In Between Days. Thanks for being on Film School. Thank Thanks you for, for having us. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at kuci.org slash filmschool.